0: His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. And I want you to think about what Paul is talking about. Remember, Paul was not among the first disciples that were handpicked by Jesus Christ. Paul came later on after having an encounter with Christ and he was called to be a minister to uh, to the Gentiles, the minister of the gospel of Christ to the Gentiles. And therefore, he had to work his way out. He had to work his way up. He says, I labored more abundantly than they all. He did not take any part of the grace that was given unto him for granted. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Remember, Paul was was, was uh, a Pharisee who was out to persecute the church. He was a blasphemer of Christ. He was a, a, a killer of Christians. But by the grace of God, but by the grace of God, he, the grace of God has turned him around from what he used to be to what he is. i labored more abundantly than they all in this dispensation of grace it is not a license to sin we do not entertain sin just because we have the grace of god we do not sit back it is not a license to be lazy the grace of God actually demands that you work harder than you used to work before. We believe that God makes a way. We believe that God provides. We believe that God uh, straightens and re- uh, and preserves the, the path of, of His people. But that does not mean that they sit back and do nothing. It allows them to work towards what has already been established for them. It is done, and now they work to get it done. You have been given a job. If you're one person looking for a job in this 2021, a job has been secured for you. Now you go and secure it by the grace which was given to you. I labored more abundantly than they all. You are in business. Deals have already been secured for you. Now you work. Go and secure those deals that have already been secured for you. Paul says that a crown has been set for me. A crown has been stored for me. And now I walk towards that crown. I don't sit back. I labored more abundantly. Yet not I but the grace of God, which was in me. Now, I don't know what plans you have. I don't know what goals you have in life. If God is acknowledged in your life, if you have acknowledged God in all your ways and in all your thoughts, in all, in your mind, in everything that you do, and you allow God to lead you, it is not for you to sit back. It is for you now to labor more abundantly to secure that which has already been secured for you. You are believing God for a healing. Now you work towards securing your healing. You are believing God for a breakthrough. Now you work towards that breakthrough. Let it be that the grace that has been bestowed upon you is not in vain. Yet while you are working hard, you do not credit yourself because of the labor that you have undertaken. No, you acknowledge it is the grace of God which is in you. This sets a good example to every follower of Jesus Christ. The gospel is not for the lazy people. You don't expect people to come to Christ unless you go out there in the grace that was bestowed upon you and you preach to them the message of the gospel. It is good to pray in private. It is good to believe God while you are by yourself. But you have been called and you are sent. You are called to send. And so when you are sent out, you go in the grace of God that has been bestowed upon you. And you work tirelessly until you secure that which has already been secured for you. There are things about the grace of God that I want us to look into. Uh, Paul says that work out your salvation in fear and trembling... For it is God who works in you both to will and to do. And so there is the working out of your salvation in fear and in trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do. And so this is a partnership. God is working in you. He is inviting you to partner with him because you have authority. You have legal authority on this earth. God cannot move without you. You're believing God for a healing. He needs you to move so that you move in his grace to accomplish, to secure, to fasten that which has already been uh, 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 given unto you. number of things that uh, I want us to look into. Um, The first one is to understand that our salvation is by the grace of God. Our salvation is by the grace of God. Now, to understand salvation, then we are invited into the heart of God. God has opened a window for us to see his heart. In the book of 1 John, chapter 4, verse 10, In this love, in this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation for our sins. KJV, which is displayed for you, says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation for our sins. In the book of Romans, the word of God says, chapter 5, that while we were still enemies with God, Christ died for us. While we were still lost, while we were still sinners, while we were still rebellious, while we we were still in ignorance, walking in darkness, Christ came for our sake and died for our sake and paid the penalty of our sins for our sake. He opened the door for us to see the heart of God so that now we can understand salvation. In the book of um, this is 1 John 10, verse 11 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another, for we cannot love unless we know what love is. Verse uh, 12 says, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelt in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby, know we the That we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. Entrance. An invitation to the heart of God for that to understand the salvation that has been given unto us as a gift, then we are invited into the heart of God to know what it means to love. Because this is a demonstration of love. And we have known and believed the love that God had to us. God is love. And he that dwelt in love dwelt in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. As as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear because fear hath torment he that feareth is not made perfect in love, for we love him because he first loved us, and all this is made possible by the grace or through the grace of our Lord. Jesus Christ, for by grace ye are saved through faith, that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. It is not something we work towards to understanding, salvation. Why God had to go to extra lengths to save us from our damnation, to save us from our destruction. And so he opens a window by his grace so that we see why God had to give us salvation as a gift and not as a merit, not as a reward. Salvation is not a reward. Salvation is a gift. It is not something you work towards to. It is given to you. Gifts are given. Rewards, you work for them. In other words, we cannot secure salvation for ourselves. Even the strength to work, even the strength to, 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 to uh, promote or rather to advance the gospel, it is not our own. It is by the grace of God. And as I said about Paul, remember, he was a blasphemer. Remember, he was a persecutor. He was a destroyer of the church. But by the grace of God, he became an apostle to the Gentiles. He became a missionary. He became a statesman. He became a founder of churches. He became a soul winner. All these made possible by the grace of God. The grace of God allows us to see and to receive the gift of salvation. And we are able to receive that gift because now we have been invited into the window, or a window has been opened, and an invitation has been sent to you and I to see the heart of God and why He chose. To empty heaven so that you and I can be saved. We are saved from our destruction. We have received salvation by the grace of God. We have received salvation. By the grace of God. Very important. Very critical to understand. The other thing that I want us to understand this morning is is, is our walk uh, of faith. Our walk of faith. In this walk of faith, there is the element of discipline. In this walk of faith, there is the element of discipline. In the book of Timothy, I believe it's 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16, the scripture is given unto us for these things. One, uh, for sound doctrine. Two, for uh, rebuke. Three, for correction. And four, for training in godliness. And so when we are taught the sound doctrine, when we sleep, When we deviate from the sound doctrine, there is the rebuke, which is the discipline. Discipline is the rebuking and the correction, the rebuking and the correction, and then the training in godliness. And so Titus says this in the book of uh, uh, Second Titus chapter two verse eleven and twelve, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, teaching us that denying and godliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in these present age, in this present world. So on one hand, we are to renounce ungodliness and worldly lust. On the other hand, we are to realize or to be aware of the newness of life that we should walk in. And so there is saying no to one and then the saying yes to another. There is a 180 degree turn. You stop going left, you start going right. You stop going south, you start going north. And all that comes through discipline. All that comes through discipline discipline, which is made possible by the grace of God. It is the grace of God that brings salvation, as we have discussed earlier, and as it brings that salvation, it begins to Train us, it begins to discipline us to say no to ungodliness, to say no to worldly lusts, so that we can begin living righteously, living soberly and godly in this world. Remember, Jesus says, we are not of this world, but we are in this world. We are not of this world, meaning and signifying. We are different. We are set apart. We are above the people of this world, but we live amongst them. That does not mean we do things as they do. That adage that says that when you go to Rome, do as the Romans do, does not apply to a believer. You are the light of the world. You are the pillar of the salvation of Christ. You are to be an example to those who are around you. You are to shine brighter and brighter as noonday to those who are around you that they may see the power of God. In the book of Corinthians, Paul says that we are earthen vessels. In this earthen vessels is entrusted the treasure of heaven that through us the power of God may be revealed to the world. And therefore then there is a need to be taught. There is a need to be disciplined to walk soberly, to walk righteously, to walk godly. All this is made possible by the grace of God. We cannot be saved by discipline. It is not the discipline that saves us. Salvation is a gift of God and so we cannot be saved by discipline but our salvation cannot be effective without discipline. Our salvation cannot be effective without discipline. There cannot be discipleship without discipline and these two are not in conflict. Discipline in yourself to say no to ungodliness, to say no to worldly lust, that you can live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. It is not for you to run away from where God has called you to be. Some of you run from one state to another. Others run from one marriage to another. Others run from one school to another. Others run from one country to another. You're trying to look for a convenient place. You are trying to look for a place that works for you, yet God has not called you there. God positioned you where you are. Where you are is not a mistake. You are there by the divine design of our maker so that through you, you can begin bringing order to your world. Remember, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created heavens and earth, and the Spirit of God hovered. There was darkness in the deep of the world, and the Spirit of God hovered over the darkness. The Spirit of God did not move away. The Spirit of God did not look for convenience. It hovered over the chaos until God spoke a word, and it began bringing order in that chaos. And so your children are chaotic. Be the light. Speak order. Your life is chaotic. Speak life to your own self. Think heavenly. See as heaven sees. Your marriage is in trouble. Troubled waters. See your marriage from the perspective of heaven and speak order to it. Because you must be disciplined by heaven and not by the earth. In our prayers, we say, uh, 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 may, may your kingdom come. May, may your will be done in heaven, here on earth, as it is in heaven. And so then you must see what heaven is doing, so that now you speak the mindset of heaven to where you are, and that requires discipline in saying no, saying no to ungodliness and worldliness, saying no to what you see with your naked eyes, and saying yes to what you see in heaven, and speaking heaven to your situation. Discipline. There cannot be discipleship without discipline. There cannot be discipleship without discipline. Those two words come from the same root word. Glory be to God. The third thing about the grace of God is the enrichment. We are enriched. We are enriched by the grace of God. And here I want to say this, that the grace of God is is a two-way street. Is, it is a two-way street He is a willing giver But we must also be willing takers He is a willing giver We must be willing takers And if we take God's gifts with a willing hand Then we belong forever to the giver Remember it is not the blessing It is the giver of the blessing and that's why there has been a lot of emphasis that you worship the blesser, not the blessing. Abraham received Isaac. Abraham did not worship Isaac. Abraham looked into God and worshipped God. Because the grace of God is not cheap. It is awfully expensive. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. There was a divine exchange. He took your poverty. He took your troubles. He says, come and lay your burdens upon my feet. Take upon my yoke. It is light. It is easy. It is not burdensome. In 1 Corinthians, the commandment of the Lord is not burdensome. Let's have this divine exchange so that you can begin living an enriched life. I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. All this is by the grace of God. Though he was rich, he humbled himself and he did a divine exchange with us. He gave us his riches and he took our poverty. He gave us his life and he took our death. He took our destruction. He took our depravity that you may have life and life more abundantly. In the understanding of that, then you cannot sleep. You cannot have sleepless nights because of provisions. You cannot think provision and think worship. One must give way to another. Though he was rich, yet for your sake, for my sake, He became poor so that through his poverty, you and I might be rich." And when we understand that that was a divine exchange, then we cannot boast of anything. You cannot boast of your healthy life, no matter how much you work out. Yes, you may be running every morning. Yes, you may be eating healthy. Yes, you may be careful when you're driving or you're going about your activities. Yes, you may be careful and all this may be in place, but it is not out of your own effort for if he takes his breath away you are nothing but a corpse today the grass is flourishing flowering and looking beautiful but when the wind blows over the following minute they are all scorched and done and put away you cannot boast Because of a good health, you cannot boast because of the successes you are enjoying, you cannot boast because of where you are, status, and all these things are passing by. You cannot boast of anything, we don't even belong to ourselves. The air we breathe, we did not create it, we did not manufacture it for ourselves. We cannot boast that we keep our hearts pumping, no. We cannot. That if there is anyone who desires to boast, then let him boast that he knows Christ. Let him boast that he knows Christ. Let that be your only boast that you know Christ. And Paul speaks firmly on this issue in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He asks this question, For whom makes thee to differ from another, that you are better than other people, that you are a better preacher, that you are a better singer, that you are a better uh, 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 bathroom cleaner or whatever you're doing than another? Who makes thee to differ from another? What hast thou that thou did not receive? Now if you thou did not receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou has not received it? Why do you glory? Why do you promote your gift above everybody else that you are the best worship leader? What for? Who gave you that? You didn't have it in the first place. You do not have it in the first place. It's as if we work for these things. No, they are a gift given for the sake of the body of Christ. Until we understand that we are enriched by the grace of God, we will always go astray on these things. That's why the church of Corinthians had a lot of issues. To a point where they forgot who they are and they began competing with one another based on how well equipped they were bidding against one another. There is nothing to boast about. Salvation is free. We are disciplined by the grace of God. We are enriched by the grace of God. And therefore, if you have to glory, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you have to glories, then glory in the Lord. Glory in the Lord. He that glories glory in the Lord. The fourth thing or the fourth fourth benefit of the grace of God is in the area of empowerment. Area of empowerment. We hear about women empowerment, we hear about uh, empowerment of the minority groups. We hear about empowerment of the youth and all that uh, good stuff. But empowerment is by the grace of God. It is by the grace of God. We are empowered. We are given strength. We are given a power to, to perform by the grace of God. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. He is able... To make all grace, not part of the grace, all grace abound towards you. So that you always, not sometimes, not in a season, but in all seasons and in all times, you will have all sufficiency, not in some things, but in all things. All that is to... You help you abound to every good work, to perform every good work. It is by the grace of God. You are empowered by the grace of God. So whether you are asleep or awake, you are empowered. There is the grace of God that is made to abound towards you. When Whether you are preaching, whether you are leading worship, whether you are helping in the kitchen department or in the children department, there is the abounding of the grace of God towards you for every good work that you partake in. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's first look at chapter 10 verse 13 because this is the area that we also have to understand that whenever we face temptations, whenever we come across temptations, God provides a way of escape. The word says, there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but with but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. You are able to bear the temptation. Here we are not talking about you being removed from the temptation. We are talking about being strengthened by the grace of God that you are able to bear it. That without breaking, without giving in to the temptation, you are able to bear it. All this is made possible by the grace of God. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if I can find it, there we go, uh, verse 9. So what I just spoke about is the grace of God gives you strength to bear temptations to to overcome remember we read Titus that you're taught to say no to ungodliness and and worldly lusts and you are able to bear that's why you're able to live in the midst of people while in the understanding that you are not of this world, you are able to live in that world, you are able to bear uh, the, the, the depravity of sin, you are able to bear uh, uh, the distraction as you allow your light to shine brighter, to push and to, to, to push away the darkness so that you become a beamer of light where you are, and you are able to bear with the reproach that is around, you are able to bear with the suffering that is around you are able to bear with the attacks that are being aimed towards you that you are able to stand firm and remain standing if at at the end of it all there is no temptation bigger or that is not that is uncommon to men all temptation is common to all men all the things that men have to resist Uh, are common to everybody and therefore the grace of God allows you to bear through them. He provides a way of escape by strengthening you, by strengthening you and this is where now I come in with 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. Paul says this and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly therefore I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The power of Christ, may he rush upon me. And so you are able to bear these things, not just the temptations, but also the trials and the tribulations. Remember Paul was talking about a thorn in the flesh. He referred to the thorn in the flesh as a messenger of Satan. But God does not remove the thorn. God gives him strength. And he tells Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Not in your strength, in weakness. And so when you feel weak, when you feel like you are under a a weight, a burden of torment and tribulations, then make the choice to glory in your infirmities because in that moment of weakness, the strength of God comes and stands and fights for you. In the book of 2 Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord are moving back and forth, seeking whose heart is stayed on him, who is firmly in him that he may show up strong and mighty on their behalf. In that moment of weakness, God shows up strong and mighty on your behalf. And when you understand that you are empowered by the grace of God, then you understand why Paul says that I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may be rushed upon me. Because it is in that moment of trials, it is that moment of tribulations, it is in that moment when you are and when you're going through a temptation that you stand firm, that the power of God may be revealed through you. There is a pattern. There is a pattern being formed in your lives. Paul talks about this in, uh, to Timothy in the book of 1 Timothy and he says that God chose him that in him he may develop a pattern of long-suffering for those who are around him, those who hear the message of the gospel, that they may know Christ, that they may see the power of God through your lifestyle. How you handle suffering matters a whole lot. How you handle temptations matters a whole lot to those who are around you, for they are watching you. They want to learn from you. They want to see the pattern of long suffering in you. They want to see a pattern of patience. They want to see a consistency in your love even when they mean evil towards you. And Joseph was able to express this when he tells his brothers in Genesis chapter 50 that that which you did, that which was meant for evil, God meant it for good. It is not my place to take the place of God and to begin judging you or or avenging for what you did. No, they want to see a pattern, a consistency in you of love, of long-suffering, of bearing with one another. Remember in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love bears all things. Love endures all things. Love hopes in all things. Love does not disappoint. Love does not fail. And people want to see a pattern, a consistency in that area. And so, things we've mentioned here. When you are facing temptation, there is the grace of God that helps you bear all these temptations by providing you a way of escape. And then there is the grace of God that strengthens you in your moments of weakness. This is under empowerment. The third thing is the grace of God gives you courage to hope against hope. And Abraham demonstrates this to us when he says in the book of Romans chapter 4, if we may read from verse 19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through and believe, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And this is where the power is shown, and being fully persuaded that he what he had promised, he was also, he was able also to perform it. What he has spoken over your life, what God has said over your life, he is able to perform it. And so you don't look at the deadness of your situation. You look at his word. You hold him to his word. For God holds his word. He upholds his word above his name. He upholds his word above his name. Now, you must be fully persuaded that he is able to perform that which he has promised. And so you have hope for 2021. Look unto him. Look unto him. He has spoken his word, for he sees the end from the beginning. He has secured your destiny. And therefore, you walk and you walk and you fight from a position of victory. When you're praying, you're not praying. You're not making those beggarly prayers. You're not praying as one begging for forgiveness. You're praying, understanding that you have already been forgiven. You are praying, understanding that a breakthrough has already been secured for you. And so you pray from a position of victory and you begin claiming what has already been said over you. And not just claiming, walking and working towards it. Because the grace of God will abound you to every good work that you perform towards that which has already been secured for your sake. Remember, being not weak, there has to be a steadfastness in your faith, a firmness in your faith. Not considering your situations, not considering your circumstances. Not turning your eyes from heaven to, 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 to earthly things. But setting your eyes towards heaven and your ears inclined towards what God has said. Because once you incline your ear towards what God is saying and your eyes are fixed on him, are focused on him, then that allows you to be firm and steadfast that you will not stagger at the promise of God and believe will not find an entrance into your life. But you will remain strong in your faith and you will constantly give glory to God. Even in your infirmities, you would rather rejoice in your infirmities, giving glory to God because his strength is made perfect in your weakness. All this by the grace of God. And my friend, the word of God is very clear. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or imagine. According to the power that works in us. Glory to God. Amen and Amen. It is by the grace of God that you are empowered for every good work. Now, the last thing that I want to look into uh, about the grace of God is the area of sustenance. Paul says, it's not that we are sufficient of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of the Lord. It is God who sustains us. Now, to understand this, Jesus says this in the book of John chapter 10. And he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, that they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Once you are in Christ, You are secure. It is Christ who sustains you. It is Christ who sustains your salvation. Inasmuch as you work out your salvation in fear and trembling, there is a need to understand that it is God who works in us both to will and to do. Let your eyes be on Christ and Christ alone. It is He who preserves your ways. It is He who straightens your path. And once you are in Him, no man can pluck you out of His hands. You have entrusted your children into the hands of God. They are secure. Leave them there. Don't spend sleepless nights worrying about them they are secure. You have trained them in godliness. Yes, you may see that things are not what you wanted or what you expected them to be. They may seem that they are lost out in the world, but if you had entrusted them in the hands of God, no man shall pluck them out of his hands. It is for this reason that the prodigal son, although he went his way and he was lost in the world, yet he was able to find his way back. When he was lost out in the world, it came to his senses that in my father's house there is plenty. There is plenty. There is enough even for the servants. And therefore, I shall return to my father's house. Because he was a son. No man can pluck them out of his hands. Our teenagers, when they grow and they become young men and they tend to be lost into the world and we tend to call them the prodigals, we must understand that because we have committed them to Christ, we have taught them in godliness, God will collect all of them and will bring them back to himself because no man can pluck them out of the hands of God. And as if that's not enough, Jesus says, My father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. That is just to assure you that all that God has entrusted in you and you have given them back, as long as you have given your Isaac back to God, it becomes... God's Isaac and a seed unto the generations yet unborn. This is why it is important to hand your marriage over to God. It is why it is important to hand your children over to God because if God does not watch over them, then no matter how much, uh, how much you stay awake at night, you can do nothing. A city Without walls is useless no matter how much a watchman sits uh, awake throughout the night. And so God must watch over that city. God must watch over your family. God must watch over your home, over your ministry, over everything that he has entrusted in your hands. You must give them back to God. You must allow God to be God in your situations. God asks Moses, what's in your hands? It was a staff. And God tells Moses, give me your staff. And Moses obeys and gives God his staff. And it becomes God's staff. When God gave it back to Moses, Moses was able to do a whole lot with that staff because it became God's staff in Moses' hands. It is God who sustains you. Give Isaac back to God. Give Isaac back to God. Everything God has blessed you with, give them back to God because then when you give them back to God, just as our our senior pastor's wife said, that then your ministry becomes truly spiritual. It becomes a seed to the generations yet unborn because no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hands and he says I and my father are one and so it is god who sustains you you don't have money to pay rent or mortgage it is god who sustains you you don't have money to buy food and put food on the table god will provide it for you it is we who sustains us We are saved by grace. We are sustained by grace. Our salvation is a gift of God, but our salvation is sustained by the grace of God. And the last scripture is in the book of Jude, and I think I will conclude with this. Jude chapter 1 verse 24 says, Now unto him that is able, he is able, he is willing to keep you from falling. Because it is he who sustains you, he is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And now when we understand that it is he who keeps us, it is he who works us because he wants to present you to himself faultless, blameless, without spot. And therefore, it is he who works in you both to will and to do by the grace of God. To the only wise God, our Savior, Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen and amen. Glory be to God. The grace of God. The grace of God. The grace of God the unmerited favor of God. Once we understand the grace of God, then we can say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. But by the grace of God, I am what I am and none of that grace will be taken for granted none of that grace will be taken for granted I am who I am but by the grace of God I am who I am. Now, when looking back into your own life, for you to be where you are today, to be who you are today, may you acknowledge it is by the grace of God. May you acknowledge it is by the grace of God. It is by the grace of God. It is the same grace that allows you to see the next minute. It is the same grace that allows you to see tomorrow. It is the same grace that allows you to see the following year. Last year, despite all the challenges, you were able to go through the year by the grace of God. Many of you lost a loved one. Many of you lost jobs. Many of you, your lives were altered one way or another, but here you are. Give glory to God. Give glory to God. May this message bless you. If you have not given your life to Christ, May you consider giving your life to Christ. It is a gift. It is a gift. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to meet any set of standards to receive the gift. Receive it. Freely it is given. Freely receive it. And then allow God to work in your lives. Allow the grace of God to lead you in your journey of faith, to strengthen you, to give you courage, to glory in him whenever you're going through weaknesses or infirmities or challenges or tribulations. Whatever you encounter in your journey, the grace of God gives you the courage to glory in him. You are sustained, you are disciplined, you are empowered, you are enriched by the grace of God. Without the grace of God, we would not know the heart of God. But the grace of God has been made to abound. All the grace has been made to abound towards you. That you may know the heart of God. That you may see that truly God loves you unconditionally. That you may love him back by observing what he says. Remember, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. May you have a wonderful day ahead of you. May you walk in love. May you walk in victory. May the fruit of the Spirit be revealed through you to all who are around you. Father, receive glory, on and adoration. Thank you for the utterance of your word. I ask that, Father, you may continually move mightily in the lives of your children that they may know you and desire to drink deeper and deeper from the fountain of life as they grow to know you O father let their lives be transformed daily into the image of your son that those who are around them may see that truly these are your disciples because of how much you have loved them and how much they love one another we honor you in the name of Jesus our Lord and Savior we pray and Believe, Amen. May you have a wonderful after uh, a wonderful day. It's it's just about a uh, twelve minutes to nine, and so there's a whole day ahead of you. May this day be used of the Lord through you to reveal the glory of God. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a blessed day. Amen. <laughs>